Morning, everyone. It is Thursday, the 11th of August. Henry, good morning. You're on overnight for us. That big CPI number came in. What have we got? Good morning, Ben. Yeah, it was a big CPI number. Let's not forget that it was a big CPI number. It was 8.5%, which in a month or so ago would have been considered absolute disastrous. But last night was considered a huge win because the market had been going for 8.7%. And of course, back in June, we got that 9.1% read on CPI, which shocked us into a big fall in global markets. Now, so last night, 8.5%, very good number as far as the bulls were concerned, showing that inflation has peaked, mainly because the oil price has peaked and come back from 120 bucks to 90 bucks. And as a result, fuel prices in the US have come back from five bucks to four bucks a gallon. So that has helped immensely in terms of that CPI number. So, but anyway, it was enough to turbocharge the US market with the Dow up 535 points or 1.6%. NASDAQ up nearly 3%. So that was pretty good. The US dollar came off bonds. Got to say, didn't really do too much, but there is now the theory that instead of the 75 basis points that the Fed will have to raise, rates in September that they will actually only raise them by 50 basis points. So that is a bull point for the market. And we did see commodities rally on the back of that. Nickel was up 3.9%. We saw the oil price up 1.1% as well. So that's good. Miners internationally were doing well. Banks were doing well. Tech stocks in the US doing especially well. And the Aussie dollar doing well, 70.78 currently for around the Aussie dollar at the moment. So a big jump there as the US dollar has come under pressure. So as a result of all this, of course, the SPY was up 70 points. The index currently, as we speak, is up only 60, has been higher than that and has come off a little bit of uh, tempering of enthusiasm, curbing of enthusiasm there. And we are, of course, data driven today in terms of a reporting season. And I'm sure Tom will talk about that. We have had Telstra and AMP, the big ones today. But that's it from me for the time being. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. As forewarned, Tom, you've got more detail for the local market? I do. Thank you, Ben. Yes, as Henry said, we were up better than the 60 points we're currently trading around. Tech and consumer discretionary and property outperforming today. Utilities, energy stocks, the only sectors in negative territory. Telstra up 1.4% on their full year numbers. CEO Andy Penn said the company is better placed than many businesses. QBE insurance up 2.2%. First half results appeared to come in ahead of estimates. Interim dividend nine cents versus consensus six cents so doing well there james hardy chairman has announced he will retire after agm in november and amp is down two percent first half underlying profit missed consensus they did say they were going to return 1.1 billion dollars to shareholders via an on-market buyback and they were eyeing further capital returns next year or this current financial year Rio Tinto ex-dividend down 3.6%. So that's weighing on the miners today. And we do have Suncorp ex-dividend tomorrow, Ben. Good stuff. Thank you, Tom. Leighton, bit of broker stuff heating up. What have you got? Yeah, thank you, Ben. The focus this morning is on Commonwealth Bank, CBA and Computer Share, that's CPU. As usual, there's not a lot of love from the brokers for CBA. The recommendations this morning are underperform, sell, underweight and neutral with an average target price about 12.5% below the current market price. And the thing that the brokers aren't liking is, which comes up all the time, is that high PE of around 18 times. But with the results now under the belt, it's effectively de-risked for the next six to 12 months. 
So it's a relatively safe buy for the upcoming dividend, which has a gross yield of about 3%, I saw this morning. And computer share, the response was a lot better from the brokers. There were six updates this morning. There was an ad, two outperforms, two buys, and Credit Suisse, the only one really against the grain there, downgraded to neutral. The target prices range from anywhere from 3% to about 49% above the current share price. The brokers commented that margin income was a significant driver of earnings in FY22 and was in excess of operational earnings. Most brokers have lifted their EPS forecasts and again, Credit Suisse is the only one that downgraded. And that was because CPU guided to 55% earnings growth in FY23. Credit Suisse expects this will only be 13%. So they downgraded their forecasts. Very nice. Thank you. Laden computer share a little bit interesting, just at the whims of those interest rises, interest rate rises a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of depends how far forward you look, whether it's exceptional trading conditions or starting to peak out eventually. But yeah. Yeah. Well, the next like 12 to 18 yeah. months looks fairly supportive. So. Yeah. They're going to have a good little yeah. patch, but we shall see. Yeah. Thank you, Laden. Tom, you've got a couple of ideas in for us. I do have a few. Thank you, Ben. And as we were talking about, we had expected inflation to peak. Now we've got the evidence and we've talked about strategies for peak inflation, peak interest rates and or bond yields. And one of those is going risk on with growth companies. And to be fair, a lot of that fast early money has already been made as bets that inflation was cooling were placed. But there are still a few gains out there. And as Henry sort of pointed out before, it still is important to note that inflation is still very high. Interest rates are still going to reach 3% by most forecasts in Australia. So you need to look for businesses with actual earnings weighted closer to the present, not way out into the future. So I've made a list of quality growth companies filtered by EPS growth forecast in each of the next three years. Market market cap of greater than 500 million, a forward PE of less than 50 times and a gross yield below the market average because growth companies tend to reinvest their profit back into the business and not pay big juicy dividends. And from the list that I have created, we're actually adding a few to the Forever portfolio today. And they are Linus, L-Y-C, and DTL, which I forgot the name of that company, Ben. What is it? Data 3. Data 3. I might jump in there, Tom, to avoid any confusion. We are adding a few things to both the portfolios today. So as you said, we had a little bit of cash on the sidelines. We've put a little bit to work over the last few weeks, but that last bit we were waiting for some data to back up the Fed's suggestions that the interest rate rises were working in the fight against inflation. This is the data last night tells us that there is peaking out at least in the short term and hopefully a little bit longer. So we're happy to put the rest of that cash to work and hopefully not be left behind in a market rally. We're spreading it mostly across current portfolio holdings, Linus, as you mentioned, Tom, BHP, the big four banks, JB Hi-Fi, WiseTech, all with 1% increases in their weights, and then Data3, which is DTL. Uh, We are opening a position with 1%. It's one that appears in a lot of our quality growth scans and ranks quite highly with their numbers. So happy to take a bit of risk there. And in the dividend portfolio, similarly, we're spreading the cash across some of our preferred names within the portfolio already. 2% 2% more into BHP, 1% more into favourites, Macquarie Group, JB Hi-Fi, 1% into each of QBA and Suncorp uh, after the insurers posted some solid numbers and strong outlooks, and then also opening a 2% position in supermarket specialist landlords shopping centres, Australasia. 
SCP, which has a nice 5% yield and the numbers all stack up quite nicely. So we're left with just a percent or two cash in both the portfolios. So to cut you in there, Tom. No, it was a great, great little segue, that. Ben. Yeah. I'm all done. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, Tom. And Henry, back to you. What are you up to in Henry's take? Well, good work, guys. I must admit, I'm not quite as uh, as bullish as uh, you guys. So um, just tempering my enthusiasm, I must admit, uh, 8.5% is still a big, big jump uh, in inflation, whichever way you cut it. And I'm not sure the Fed can be really credited with curbing inflation because the uh, the big fall there has been in fuel prices, which is really not something the Fed can control. Of course, that is very much predicated on OPEC and supply and demand globally. So just be a little bit aware of that. But some good choices there, Ben and Tom. Certainly some, some good work put in. As far as that, my stuff goes today, just uh, another four stocks in the portfolio that I'm just running through today. Uh, no problems with any of them. I have been selling a little bit of lithium exposure into this rise, maybe a little early, but you can only sell things when there are buyers is um, something that I was taught an awful long time ago. I kind of like to sell into strength rather than be chasing it sometimes, but selling a few lithium things. Also yesterday, I was on the call talking about Wiser, which did look as if it had been a little left behind, to say the least, and had been unfairly punished in a higher interest rate environment. I was talking yesterday about buying them at eight cents. Uh, they have rallied nearly 14% this morning to 9.1. Uh, they did open at 8.5. So I did add the weighting there around 3% into the small cap portfolio. And also just running through, I guess one of the questions is, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, is it safe in terms of going back into the market? And clearly the 8.5% is a good number coming down from 9.1%. So that, that is certainly a good number. But you know, we're certainly not out of the woods as far as vanquishing inflation goes. And last night, the German CPI came in at 7.5%. So we're certainly not out of the woods as far as inflation goes. And bear in mind that European, the ECB has only just gone to zero in terms of their interest rate settings. And German inflation is 7.5%. The Bank of England, for all its aggressiveness, is still under 2%. And they're predicting, Eeyore, the the governor of the Bank of England, is predicting that inflation will hit 13.3% in October and stay massively elevated from there. So before we all get carried away with the inflation is dead argument, I'm not saying it hasn't peaked and we have maybe seen the worst of it, but it could stay elevated for some time, which would still be a negative for the market. So I'm just a little bit cautious, especially as we have seen in the past, knee-jerk reactions to US data that has been especially good or especially bad. And then that gets reversed the following day once the algos are out of the way. So just bearing that in mind, happy to be a little bit cautious up here and just wait for some confirmation that we are back to risk on. And of course, it is results season. So we are very much driven by results at the moment. And Super Thursday, the first Thursday, not quite so super as others, but we are going to see big, big data jumps uh, continue this month. So that's going to keep us on our toes for sure. Stuff, Henry, lots of gems in there as always. Uh, and I will give a little update on what Marcus has written about. He is on a bike halfway to Wagga by now, but he has had a look at the CPI number. He has said, I don't know why he would say this, but he said he's broken the curse. I'll just find some wood to touch. Yeah, that, that's worrying, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he should not be saying things like that, but he's off on holiday. He thinks he might have broken the curse, touch wood, and the market might go up while he's away, not collapse. 
He is putting cash to work in the strategy portfolio, 30% into the S&P 500 ETF IHVV, which is the iShares S&P 500 hedged ETF, which is geared to the upside in the Aussie dollar as well as the S&P 500. And then he's got 10% for a little bit of more excitement in GGUS, GGUS, I guess, which is the better shares geared US equity fund currency hedged. So check that out in Marcus's strategy section. He's also adding BHP to the ideas portfolio ahead of their results with the no recession momentum Heath sees going to keep the resources rally going and happy to take a bit of a resources bet. Also looking at a bit of tech, but nothing he likes this morning. And that is about it for now. He's got a nice picture of the bike he's going to be rolling around on. Oh, and he is also, for those interested in the banks, got a little section called Worried About the Banks, where he looks at the forecast revenue and profit of the big four banks. And the spoiler is the banks are making a little over $3,000 of turnover and $1,500 of profit for every man, woman, and child in Australia. So why would you worry about them? So there we go. A bit of interesting stuff there from Marcus. And we'll finish with our question of the day today, which is we've stolen from Henry's question on Facebook. Is it safe to go back in the water after that number? Leighton? Well, it's hard to argue with what Henry said before. I think it's definitely promising with the CPI number that we got last night, but you still, I think, have to have a little bit of caution this way to go, as always. But with inflation still pretty high, there has to be a little bit of caution there. Leighton? On the fence. (laughs) Tom? I think safe's a relative term. If you compare it to the last few months, there's seems like a few more uncertainties have become clearer now. So it is safer than what we've had. Uh, my outlook for the market is sort of what, what Henry said, this W recovery, where the second part of that W is going to be a higher low for the market. So one that's sort of pointing up, but I can't see heaps more growth for the market given inflation is still really really high. Interest rates are still going to above 3%. There's still those headwinds, but back to worrying about more normal things. I did read a headline though about China and their property crisis and how there's a potential big financial risk there. So that was bubbling away in the headlines that I saw in the age yesterday. So who knows? That is a headline and it's doing what it's supposed to, but not heaps of growth left. Thank you for another fence sitting. (laughs) Thomas, Henry? Uh, um, Yes, fence sitting. Is it safe? Well, it's certainly, you know, we've bounced from 6,400 to 7100 so we've had a, a pretty big bounce already on the hope that inflation has peaked so we are baking in a little bit of the upside and we're certainly, you know, we are looking at a, I can't see the market really pushing vastly higher from here, I must admit. And I am concerned we are in the summer doldrums in the Northern Hemisphere where basically the elite go to the Hamptons and turn the computers on and the computers just trade away in their absence and a few junior fund managers run things. And then when they come back in September, when they're all grumpy, things start to get a little more serious. We have Jackson Hole to get through. We also have uh, September is when the Fed will start to get a bit more serious. And although we did get 8.5% last night, which is all fine and dandy, we did see a couple of Fed heads say, you know what, guys, just not get carried away. The inflation is still 8.5%. So, you know, that, that is still a massive number by any stretch of the imaginations. It's clearly not as massive as 9.1%. So that is good. So 
So I remain, I'm not sure fence-sitting is the right term, but I remain of the view that we would get to 7-1. We are there now. And where we go from here, I don't know, to be honest. I think we could have some backing and filling, but I think more importantly than where the index is, because let's face it, the index somewhat becomes irrelevant during reporting season. It is all about stock picking. It's all about picking the companies that are going to do well and are going to continue to do well. And uh, I think that is more important. I think if you want to be in growth, I think it is important to look at the resource sector. And certainly, you know, some of these resource stocks, especially the likes of BHP, do look relatively good value. And the other thing with, you know, with BHP, with the great thing there is that to some extent, these resource companies de-risk themselves because they put quarterly production numbers out. So we know how much they've shipped. And we know what prices of the commodities are. The question is not that. The question is not the profit. The question is how much they have to pay shareholders. And we saw with Rio that they weren't quite as generous. I suspect BHP will follow the same script, especially as they're buying Oz Minerals or trying to. So yeah, interesting times, but I suspect you know the index is not so relevant in the short term as the company-specific stuff because of results. But um, I'm not thinking we're going to crash, but I'm not thinking we're going to massively rally either in the next month or so. Henry, can I have a question without notice on BHP Always. and yep. the outlook for the iron ore price, giving this slowing growth narrative, China trying really hard not to have negative growth. How much of that is a concern for you for BHP and the share price? Not a lot. I've got to say at the end of the day you know china has uh, has a problem they have a bunch of people that they have to look after one and a half billion people and the reason that the communist party is in power is they have to make those people happy and to make those people happy they have to stimulate the economy and they have talked down the iron ore price and ultimately they will have to stimulate the economy because that will keep the people happy and we've also seen china starting to wind back covid controls uh, they have uh, renewed international flight in and out of Beijing for some countries. So that is a positive. And I think as China emerges and stimulates, uh, we will see the iron ore price sneak up a little bit, but I don't think it's going to get too carried away. And there is a sort of a Goldilocks point, I guess, for the Chinese, because at the end of the day, they've got to have a decent price. Otherwise, BHP and Rio will stop uh, or cut back production and prices will go back up anyway, because production will fall. So I'm not too worried about the iron ore price. I don't think it's going to race away and I don't think it's going to collapse either. But uh, certainly China being a stimulatory economy, I think is a positive for the globe and BHP. Thank you very much, Henry. Great answer. Very nice. Quickly, my answer to the is it safe question, looking probably on a little bit longer time frame and big picture stuff, I'm quite happy to be getting back involved with the idea. Henry, you said it well, that the worst is behind us, hopefully. And I think there's enough indicators there to, to get involved, not take any stupid risks or anything, but I'd rather be invested than holding cash now. So that's it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank we'll you. see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yeah. Bye.